Good morning, uh, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are um, in the world, and welcome um, to our conversation today. Um, today, I'm joined by uh, Matthew Hall, a senior sales expert, um, and we're going to be talking you through um, some expert tips to slay your B2B um, sales calls. So, um, welcome, Matt. Thank you so much for sparing the time to talk to us today. Hi, Lila. Thanks for um, inviting me back again. Um, I always find it really refreshing coming back to do like a talk like this because it keeps me in my A game because I have to do some research as well as thinking about what I do day to day. So um, it's really, yeah. really good to come back on. So thank you very much for inviting me. No, the pleasure is, is ours. I know that from the um, previous webinars that you've done, we had some great feedback. So we're really excited to um, have you today and obviously share your um, experiences. And as you say, sometimes when we just um, just stop to take um, stock it actually enables us to sort of think about what we're doing every day as well so I always find um, you know these conversations to be really inspiring as well so yeah thank you so much for your time agree yeah right so um, what I will say is obviously to the audience today is we have a number of questions that were um, uh, sort of uh, provided before um, uh, today's session and that we're going to kind of run through. Um, but if you have any questions as we go through, um, Matt um, has said that he's prepared to take live questions as we go. So, um, you know, do feel free to um, pop those in the in the, uh, the chat box, um, you know, as and when as and when they come up. We'll, we'll try and address those, um, obviously, um, time permitting. Um, so saying that, um, Matt, then let's um, let's go to the the first question that um, you know uh, we've we've had come in, and that is, how do it's probably a really uh, poignant one is how do we make a cold call not come across as a cold call? How, that's probably base level of where to start. So what, what's your perspective? Thanks very much. So again, really really interesting point because I I really hope I don't come across as a cold call when I ring a business. And it made me sort of deeply think about it. And starting from the very beginning, Lila, I like to try and map out, map out my day well. And by doing so, what I do is I sort of plan the type of data that I want to call in the first place. So it adds a bit of value to that piece of data that I'm going to call. So I'll go off, I'll do some research about different industries. I'll research job titles that I want to speak to. I'll um, I'll find out people's names and maybe try and get some direct phone numbers. And there's there's a few platforms out there that I am more than happy to share with people. Um, so there's a platform that I use very well called Cognizum, which is a great platform to use to get contact data. Another very useful one is a, um, another product called Lusher, which again is another tool out there to use. And there's multiple other other tools online that you can research to get things like named people as well as direct phone numbers to get these types of contact to speak to. Um, those services, I know they cost money to get. So in some instances, in some businesses, I would actually go off and pay for those services myself. And the reason why I put that in today's sort of talk about this question is that we really have to value the data that we have in the first place. And so if I'm willing to invest in a, in a service or product to be able to get names and job titles and phone numbers, I think every call that I make, I want to ensure that I am excited, enthusiastic, and also that I've done research on that business. So when I speak to them, I know about their sector. I know about what they do as a company. I've done my research. I've done my due diligence. 
and to actually come across that I am an expert in their field. Again, thoughts as well. If someone asks me if this is a cold call, I cannot come across, I can't say to them, I'm not going to lie to them. That's what I'm not going to do. But what I want to say to them is like, no, this is not a cold call. Do you know what? I have researched your business. I have researched your competition, your industry, the clients that you're looking to work with. And I have a great value proposition to deliver to you. So no, this is not cold. I've spent a long time spending time researching, looking for your company. And this for me is actually a perfectly time call for your organization. That's how I come across as non-cold because I've spent time, I've spent effort. And for me, it's a timed and planned phone call at that point. So effectively, it might be the first time that you have communicated with that organization or with that individual, but the fact that you have put in so much effort up front to understand who the contact is, understand their challenges, understand their sector, um, and and really then, um, I guess it sounds to me like you're you're humanizing that engagement with whoever answers the phone to you to say, you know, well, it's not a cold call because actually, I, you know, I've done a lot of research in your sector and I, I, I genuinely have something to talk to you about. Is that right? You're kind of humanizing that conversation rather than just being like, can you put me through to so-and-so? Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, when they start then questioning things to me, I just come across that I know about it. Like I'm fully aware of questions that they may actually come back to me with. And it's really, really worked for me. And um, I'd like to think I've been fairly successful here at Lead Forensics. And, you know, and, I, and I've used this um, this same type of um, planning in my mornings and in my afternoons to make all the sorts of calls that I want to make. You know, there'll be times, don't get me wrong, there'll be times where I will go through data and I will just call it for the first time because I've ran out of planned names and job titles that I want to speak to. So there's times for that. But actually, if we think about planning our day successfully, that's really, really important because you will just sound like that this is this is meant to happen. This call is meant to happen. And just as another thought as well, like if we do come across that the, the, the decision maker that we're about to speak to is busy, take that on board. Like if I was to ring you, you are a busy person, Lila. Yeah. And so if I was to ring you and I disturbed you in your day to day and you say, look, I'm busy right now. Understand that. Just take that. Take it on board and say, look, not a problem. When's a good time to call back? Is there a good time? Is there a bad time? Like, I don't want this to happen again for you. I don't want to disturb you. Make a note and ensure that you call back at that dedicated time that you've been given. So your next call, again, is not cold. Hey, Lila, you asked me to call back today. How are you? I still want to talk to you about this great value proposition for you. I've done a load of research. And again, you haven't lost that piece of data. You've kept in good communication with the person you're trying to speak to. And um, and it and it's worked for me. It really has worked for me. So um, I hope it works for other people. Yeah, really do. So you might not necessarily get very far on that first very first call, but ultimately, if you can then start to build a a, a bit of a rapport with that person who's saying, no, 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 I'm busy. I you know I can't um, speak to you now. Effectively, like you say, the next time that you're calling. It's even if you didn't manage to, you know, convey your message during that first call, 
that subsequent call is definitely not a cold call because you've already established some degree of relationship there. Is that right? So actually don't, just because you don't get to where you want to get to with that first call, it can actually be a gateway into the second call. Is that right? Yeah, you've got it spot on. And the good thing is because we've done our homework and we've made some notes about the time that we're going to call back and we're still calling this section of data, which is to do with the industry that you've done research on and the types of decision making you want to speak to. Actually, that second call is even more so and more important because you've been told that this is a good time to speak to me. Um, so it's really, really important. And it, it is important to make sure you do call back at that time, because yeah. if you disturb that person once again and you call them at a time when they're busy again, you will just annoy that decision maker. You will annoy them and you will lose all value that you've built on either buying that bit of data, getting a number, spending the time that you've done it, the research that you spent on it. You'd have wasted all that time. So it's so key to keep your time management in order, get your data in order. And make sure you do as that decision makers are asked asked of you yeah so it's about being respectful of the person that you're trying to connect with on and engage with them on a human level um that you know they are going to be busy um you know your call might be interrupting them in the middle of something they might be having a good day they might be having a bad day but ultimately you're you're trying to be respectful of that time um but really in order to build that rapport in, uh, and, and and kind of build that engagement for for subsequent conversations, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And again, if I just maybe focus this back over to you, Lila, if I was selling like a marketing software and I managed to get in contact with you, if my marketing software could help you deliver a load of brand new sales leads for your sales team, and whether whatever my pitch was at zero cost or this or a free this, or I'm hoping you would either want an email or want a follow phone call. You would want something from me. Is that mm. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some sort of follow up be helpful because I think when you can catch someone on the fly, it can be really difficult for them to appreciate what it is that you're actually saying, even if it is really helpful. Um, so actually, the best um, engagement that I have is when people manage to get me on the phone, they're conveying their message, and then they're like, do you know what? Let me just fire you across some information now so that then I can look at that whilst I'm talking. Because if I'm trying to um, digest all of that information whilst I've got 101 other things in my head, um, that can be really difficult to do, even if it's a simple um, concept. So actually, I, I think you're right. If you can be following that up or even in real time, have that ready to go, you've got a captive yeah. audience right there, correct? Absolutely. And again, if you've done your time and homework and due diligence before, speaking to you, Lila, would be similar to speaking to another um, sort of global head of marketing for another type of SaaS business. So I yeah. can just replicate this type of conversation time and time again, not sound robotic, be excited, be enthusiastic. And actually, just because I know what your company does, what you're looking to achieve, I've done my research, I hopefully will come across as actually that I do value if I, I, I value what I'm trying to get across to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that we'll have people um, listening today where they'll be like, do you know what? I've got such a quota of calls to get through. I cannot possibly prep for every single one. So what would your advice be to those people in terms of, I guess, making the preparation efficient or how to prioritize um, you know, your contacts, anything like that? Because I can understand if you're um, you know, quoted on um, you know, your, your uh, number of dials that you do, for example, that yeah. actually 
you know, thinking that, oh my God, I've got, oh my gosh, I've got to prepare for every single one of those. Um, th that can be quite daunting, right? So what would your advice be there? Yeah, so bite-sized chunks is always good. So there'll be a period of time that hopefully you have some time in your morning to do some preparation or maybe a time after lunch where you could do a bit more preparation. Something that I used to do was in the mornings I would prepare a minimum of 50 calls. So I would look in my CRM, I would make sure I've got names, contacts, phone numbers, email addresses, and if I can, even job titles as well. Because what I'm looking to do then is make sure that I'm ringing batches of people within a similar industry, similar location, and similar job title. And actually over periods of time, your data will become more and more cleansed. So yes, it could be fairly daunting from the outset, but if you just think about this as a, you know, a, a month, a two, a three month project for you, actually over a period of time, what you'll find is your data will become more and more cleansed and you'll become more and more successful because you know that the data I'm about to call is ready to go. I know I'm ready and prepared for it. And actually you don't become that unorganized salesperson that you're just ringing off cuff, yeah. which, which really doesn't help. And if you come across that you haven't got a clue what that person does, you haven't got a clue what that business does, well, that's when it comes back to, how do I come across not sounding like a cold call? Well, you will, you really will. You need to be prepared, yeah. So it's all about that that first impression and making that first impression count and not forgetting that every single person that you're calling isn't just a number. It's not just the next in your dial, um, you know, log or whatever. They're actually a person, they're actually an opportunity to engage. If you can, what I'm hearing is that you kind of um, time block in terms of your preparation and your calling and you organize your prospects so that you're calling similar type of people at the same time so that you've got your kind of pitch on a home for that audience. So by being organized and time blocking, um, actually then you're able to get yourself into the headspace that these aren't just a number after a number after a number that I'm dialing, these are all individual people and I'm going to aim to build a rapport with them all. Is that right? That's absolutely spot on. Yeah. Have you done it yourself, Lila? You sound you sound pretty professional at this. Yes, but maybe I'll be able to give it a go after this. Maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so let's, let's move on to the to my uh, kind of next question is, um, yeah. so we've talked a little bit about, um, uh, you know, making people, kind of connecting with people on a, a human level um, and, and building that kind of one-to-one -one connection. So what are your top tips for building a rapport during a sales call? Yeah, um, so this flows very nicely onto that first, that first question that you just asked because it's all around doing your homework in the initial outlay when you're looking at the data. You do need to sound enthusiastic and have like an element of motivation behind yourself. Because if we can imagine, if we're calling someone, it's been a long day, it's been a slog. I believe that you're gonna come across that it's a cold call and that really that person may have received four or five calls that day anyway. And I don't believe you're gonna get a chance at building any rapport of having any conversation with them. Um, things that I try to do if I know I've got a number of calls to make and it's been a long day and I'm trying to keep my motivation high the bit of advice that I've got is that you just focus on the outcome rather than the task at hand every day 
So actually, if I keep focusing on getting a second stage call booked in, or trying to get a demonstration booked in, or even an email address where I can upgrade this data set that I've got, then actually, when it comes to rapport, I know that all I'm looking to do is just, just have a good, open, and honest conversation with someone. And, and I think that comes down to being genuine and authentic, um, and never ever come across pushy to someone. So if someone says that they're I'm pushy, don't, yeah, if, if, if I come across being pushy, I'm not gonna get anywhere. I'm not going to build rapport with that person with that person. So I just I just need to make sure if, if someone's busy, just say, not a problem. I know I've caught you um at a bad time. Is there a good time that I could call you? I'd like to send you a bit of an email that will outline everything that we were going to speak about today. So when I do speak to you next week, whenever, at least you've had a chance to look through this product service that we're offering. And um and on the on the second call rapport is built you know you're being genuine in what you say you followed it up as you promised and actually hopefully that second call as long as that email is well tailored maybe a video that's gone into it that rapport is solid and you should progress the call on that second one I must say that I do love it when if I've had a call come in and I've not been not been able to take it if I then get a follow-up email with like you say a little video message or something like that it does create it does create a sense of um human to it and then I'm like oh I feel a bit bad now that I didn't take that call because that's genuinely a person and you can't forget that when you're talking to people on the phone right so yeah. I do quite like that video communications afterwards yeah nice and just as another thought like if every call that I went on to I was thinking I'm gonna book my demonstration or I'm gonna make a sale I know that I'm gonna get more no's throughout the day than I am yeses that's just the numbers game so I've just taught myself to um, get small victories in all the calls that I make. And actually then, if I go onto that call thinking, look, my, my, the worst outcome that I can get from this call is getting someone's email address. If that's the worst outcome, actually every call I can go on satisfied because that's the outcome minimum that I'm gonna get from it. So I just believe that you're then not gonna go onto your next call feeling downhearted or you're gonna feel frustrated or your day's not going the way that you want to. So in fact, your tonality and your enthusiasm will remain high because you can get to the end of your day going, do you know what, I made 100 calls today or 50 calls or whatever your, um, your target is and you say, do you know what, out of 50, I managed to upgrade 40 of bits of my data. It was a good day and I've remained enthusiastic and that rapport will, it will sound authentic, absolutely, yeah. And how do you walk that line in terms of rapport? Because obviously, if you were to go into a call and be so enthusiastic that you were sort of bouncing off the walls and that sort of thing and actually the person is really not responsive to that there's like this fine line that you have to walk right between being you know disengaged it's another call and so overly um enthusiastic that actually then the person that you're talking to is is not interested either so how yeah. do you walk that line and how do you control that enthusiasm to to kind of resonate with the person that you're speaking with Okay, so another little um, thought here, and, and hopefully people listening today would have the ability to listen back to their calls by using call recording software or whatever they have access to, and actually just listen to what you're saying and what the um, person that you're speaking to is saying and how they come across. 
and just listen to what, again, what positive outcome looked like and also what a negative outcome looks like to see if your enthusiasm is over the top on them. Now, Lila, we'll be making 100 calls in a day, so I believe that we should be changing our tone, we should be changing our pitch, we should be trying these things out to find out what works for us and what doesn't. And actually by just reflecting at the end of every day and go, do you know what, I can look back at all the calls that I made and I can see this one was a success and this one was a success. Um, and then I can go, wow, what happened on that call? Like, why was that call so good? Have a listen to it. Um, see, have a listen, see why it was so good. See what um, I said, see how I said it. I mimic it, give that another go and see if it's successful again. And I am speaking to humans, okay? So this is the other thing. So in fact, the tonality I give to one person, it could be very, very different to the next person because again, I don't know what your day's been like, Lila. I don't know whether you've had a great day or you've just come off a terrible call. You've just had some bad news. Like it's, we're all human beings and we need to make sure that we go on with that mindset. Um, so it's not gonna work on every call. It is a numbers game. We just need to make sure that we keep some enthusiasm throughout our day. And if we let the figures make the change in us, if we make bad figures change our tonality, we won't be as victorious as we could be. That's for sure. Hmm. I think that listening back to your calls and trying to identify the calls that you were successful on and the calls that you weren't successful on is a really good um, tool in any salesperson's toolkit, right? Because we can think we're coming across in a certain way, but actually when you listen back to it, it might be that, um, like you say, you missed a cue from someone, or it yeah. might be that actually your tone was off or, or you know if you've just come off of a, a you know another call that was maybe um you know uh quite stressful that might come across in your tone of voice so by being able to um listen back to yourself and analyze what went well and what didn't go well is it's a really great way of ensuring that kind of continuous improvement right yeah really good thought and and actually this is I've, i haven't tried this before um but this is a, a thought from what you've just you've just said there lila I'm just thinking through if I was to go back and listen to all my good calls that I'd made and I save them down and maybe these are ones that I managed to book a demonstration on the first call or I just had a very very um, positive outcome from it and I save those types of call down that would be a very good resource for me the moment I have a bad one-to-one -one with my manager and I wasn't being successful and I feel cross or angry or down or I feel that oh I've got a slog this afternoon and I just need to motivate myself very quickly by having that little bit of um, ammunition to listen to first might just set my mindset of where I need to go and how I need to put my tonality into these calls and how that would help me build rapport on those first calls because if I come across robotic, bored, it's just number 99 of 100 calls today. I can't believe it. It's like the end of the day. If I come across like that, then I'm not going to build that rapport. And as the question says at the beginning, top tips for building rapport, enthusiasm, excitement, enjoyment, you know, um, just enjoyment of your job. You, you, have, you have to enjoy what you're doing. You have to. Um, as much as sometimes it can be a slog, like motivate yourself. Think of your goals. Think about why you're there. Yeah, um, it's, it's very important.
Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Mindset is is, is everything. What mm. about um? So obviously, I have a big team, for example, and so I use um, uh, chameleon as a kind of concept of being a chameleon to um, liaise with all my different team members. Does yeah. does that come into um into um you know your mind when you're talking to people to kind of adjust your language according to what you're getting back from the person that you're speaking to is um language mirroring a, a benefit or is that a bit cringy on a call how what's your what's your perspective on adjusting your stance according to what you're getting back from the prospect i think that there, there is an element that you do need to but again from my own success in calls i still like to be quite genuine in who i am as a person rather than just mimicking someone because there's probably only a certain amount of time you can keep that up Yes. So yes, actually, funny. and, you know, I want to try and have a personality that I can um, I can use time and time again, rather than, oh, was I supposed to be like this on this call or was I supposed to be like this on another call? And actually, if I can find that middle ground where I'm just, I sound positive, I sound knowledgeable um, and calm and, you know, ready to have this conversation with the person I'm speaking to, I then... I, I, I don't need to mirror as much as probably maybe we think we need to. I think there's an element that we do need to for sure, but also we just need to be authentic in how we're saying it to people, that's for sure. Nice, so you try and stay authentically you and have people um, buy into you as an individual um, rather than becoming that that kind of chameleon. So I think that's nice actually, like you say, being you know authentic to who you are um you know is a, is a nice approach to take um yeah absolutely. as i say it's worked it's worked for me um yeah certainly and and like like all this cold calling that we need to do like try different things like try and be that chameleon and try and be the authentic version of you and see what works like absolutely see what works make a note of it what works for you what doesn't work make a note you know, yeah. we're in it for the long slog. So we may as well make sure that we're doing it success, um, successfully or, you know, the best way that we can. So definitely make a note of what works well. Absolutely. And so um, just moving on to the next question then. So it, it kind of um, segues quite nicely. So how do you make a good first impression? We might have already touched on that a little bit, but is there anything yeah. else that you'd like to add to that? Yeah. So um, what I'd like to do, yeah, to do with things like the data, and I know we've mentioned this in, in that first question, um, but I'll sort of expand upon it a bit further, is I need to make sure, again, that I've got detailed notes about the company or the industry that I'm calling, and maybe have some ammunition ready for you of businesses that you've had success with within that industry or location that you're calling. Because if I want to give a good impression, I just want to make sure I come across knowledgeable about that business within that 15 or 20 seconds that I may have in that first conversation with them. Um, good impression, don't lie, don't be scripted, and listen to what the person's saying. Like, I'm trying to have a conversation with someone, and I will do my utmost to just sound human and just sound genuine in that message that I'm trying to deliver to them. That actually my product or service that I'm, I want to share with you, like I absolutely want to share with you because I know this product or service that I'm offering can genuinely change your business. It genuinely can. 
and it's actually my fault if I don't get that message across. It's not their fault. It's my fault. I've had my chance. I just have to make sure that I sound like enthusiastic and genuine and I, I have to deliver this message. Um, I Again, I think it's very, very good to have a first impression but also have a great second impression. So like if they ask you to call back, make sure you do, make sure it's timely because again, you will come across honest and genuine and that you have a day mapped out and you have certain times to call people and this is the right time that you ask me to call you back. I can ensure that, that that is done. Yeah. And in terms of that then, so um, you mentioned there about getting your message across. And so um, we call that uh, your value proposition. So yeah. how do, well, I get, let's first start with, what is a value proposition in case anybody doesn't know that? And then how do you convey that value proposition in a succinct way so that people just don't turn off in your, your course? Okay. I went off and did a bit of research, Lila, to try and find the best interpretation of this I can. And the best I found was from the Harvard Business School. Okay. Now, there are three points to a value proposition from Harvard's point of view. Number one, which customers are you going to serve? Number two, what needs are you going to meet? And number three, what relative price will provide acceptable value, value for customers and acceptable profitability for the customer. So I've broken these three down and we'll spend a bit of time looking into these. So which customers are you going to serve? Again, it comes down to all these questions today. It comes down to choosing who you're going to call, ensuring you've got a reason why that you're doing it, understand what that company does, and make sure that you include all the information you know within that first call. So look, I, I understand that I've done some research on this business. I understand what you do as a company. I know who you're looking to to try and reach out. And the product and service that I'm offering today will tick that box on that first stage of that, um, of the Harvard Business School, what is a value proposition? Does that make sense, Ella? It does. And it's quite a lot to convey in the few seconds that, that you might have. So what would your tip be in terms of um, uh, trying to get it's, it's like an elevator pitch, isn't it? So, um, yeah. uh, you know, how 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 can people put together their elevator pitch to convey all of those really important points really, really quickly in a concise way that the um, person that you're speaking to is going to understand it? So preparation is the first thing. And I think this has been quite vital in, um, I'd say, my success is by grouping companies that you're going to speak to, because this value that you're going to present to one business, to be honest, I wouldn't have time to put together a value piece in every call that I made to a different industry, to a different business, if everything was um one industry, one call, a different industry, second call, different industry, third call. I have to batch my value propositions and businesses that I speak to. Because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do some research on the business. I'm gonna look at their existing client base and I'm gonna ensure that I then start talking about businesses similar to them that they could be working to with, but they're not. But with my software, they can. And that's all down to like, if, if I wanna be very, very um, 
um, if I want to be super productive with the volume of data that I've got, in fact, the time that I spend in my mornings is super, super critical. You know, it's super um, crucial, sorry, not critical, super, super crucial, because I know I will then have to make less calls to deliver this value proposition and get better outcomes from it. Yeah. And in terms of that, so um, typically when we're writing a, a value proposition or, or an elevator pitch, um, uh, just if anyone is looking at, right, what is my value proposition? Um, we generally think it needs to be conveyed in two sentences, no more than that. So if you're jotting it down, and they're not super long sentences with lots and lots of commas, like normal, normal size sentences. And then practice, 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 so it becomes natural. Um, really, if you can't convey your value prop within two sentences, it's taking you too long um, to convey that across to your audience. So if anyone is thinking, oh, I need to get my value proposition sorted, try and jot it down within two sentences and then practice saying it out loud um, so that um, you know everyone can hear you, you can hear yourself. Um, but if you take too long, if you stumble over your words, all of that sort of thing, then you're only going to come a cropper when you're actually on those on those calls. So yeah. um, a value proposition is really short, isn't it? It, it really is. And, and something that I see time and time again in, in the office in the mornings is people will be practicing this between um, some of their colleagues. They'll be practicing this in the morning before they get on the call. So they're not then ruining some of their data by their first call. They stumble. You know, they've already done, they've made their stumbles, they've made their their, um, their mistakes before they've started bringing this valuable data that we talked about on the first question that we spent time and effort researching. In fact, they've already, they've already practiced, they're ready to go. And um, on that second part of it, Lila, we talk about what um, the needs that we're going to meet for this organization. Now, what needs are you going to meet? Well, Again, this is down to questioning, and there's a whole different topic on questioning and, and how we should question to a, to a decision maker when we speak to them. And also what types of question, what role has the decision maker got? Like there, there's loads and loads of like great cool stuff out there that you can start reading about questioning. But the one thing again that I've learned about is I will find their needs by asking them good questions. Their needs, I, I, I've tried before to try and find their needs on their website, but generally speaking, their needs won't be on their websites. They won't be saying, we're in need of more sales at the moment. That's not how a website works. Like a website's more like, this is our product, this is our service, this is what we offer. Not that we could do with more sales leads at the moment. So questioning is important on that first call because we're gonna find out if they had a successful 2021 or not has COVID hit them have they had lower sales inquiries and again I can then use that as part of my value proposition to show them and how to embed our software our product our service into their business and how it will help overcome that need that they have at the moment and I think there's a really interesting point in there is that no one actually wants to hear what you want to sell, right? You yeah. want to sell it, but no one actually wants to hear that. So what yeah. you need to do in your value prop is rather than selling your product or service, whatever it happens to be, is to actually consider what um, 
challenges or problems are yeah. you going to solve for the person because actually by putting that buyer first message you're yeah. going to resonate so much faster so i guess a lot of people you know most people already know this but in case you don't no one wants to hear what you want to sell um, absolutely <laughs> for sure yeah? uh, flip it around is there anything else you want to add to that piece no no that, um to be honest that, that's absolutely the nail on the head and again um, another a great book out there is um, it's a book called Spin Selling um, and I'd recommend that to so many people. Um, you could use that in any part of a, a cold call to a demonstration or even down to a results where you find out what situation that company is in at the moment um, and if they've got any problems and, and how you could help um, overcome them you know, um, rather than just saying, our oh, software's the best, or oh, yeah. oh, this is the best, and it's like, it's really cheap at the moment, it's all this, like, they've heard that a million, they've heard that a million times on the phone. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, just to, just to be genuine with that person, say, look, if, if my software could do anything, like, what, what, what do you need at the moment? How can we support you in your growth? How can we support you in your account management? How can we support you in retaining your client base? Like, let's let's really actually start digging with those sorts of conversation oh those sorts of questions yeah 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 so i think it like you say it's putting that buyer first in terms of what what they need i tell you what annoys me the most is when people come on a sales call with me and say what are you trying to achieve this year lila and i'm like well i'm i'm busy i know what i need to achieve i don't need to tell you that so you have to contextualize those types of conversations because i do think there's um, maybe some sales training out there that kind of encourages you to ask those questions up front but i definitely think that they need to be contextualized first of all you can't just open with the what are your challenges for this year lila because i mean i yeah. have no reason to tell you right um yeah, so and it's just wasting my time up until that point so <laughs> you have to you have to build some sense of rapport before you go in for the kill on those things right absolutely and i, and I think again this falls very nicely into these previous questions that we've had into that how do we how do we build good rapport how do we make a good impression like we have to do all these things all these things before we can start posing questions like that absolutely we do and again mm -hmm. that mindset of I may not be able to get this on the first call it may be the second or even the third call like we're building this rapport all the time that the person that we're speaking to feels like that they're more than happy to share that with you because the trust has yeah. been built and that third part of that value proposition is regards to this um, what relative price will provide acceptable value for customers and acceptable profitability for the customer and again this is all down to a bit of homework like the, so many websites out there these days you can find out what they are selling how much they're selling it for so if someone is selling widgets at a pound each Lila and my products a thousand pounds I know they've got to sell a minimum of a thousand widgets before my software becomes a no-brainer so knowing the types of cost that they will be selling their product at mm. will help me to then have a good conversation with someone about what sort of value that they'll be looking to buy into lead forensics so it's very very crucial to know about products and services that they're offering the types of costs that's involved in that because sometimes that's the only bit of information we can go at mm. when it comes down to it hopefully at some point we can find out about lost business and how much it would cost to lose a company all these other things so we can build more value but from the initial outset we can get a lot of information from someone's website to be able to find out 
the value and the cost behind their products and services that they offer. Well, and an easy way of doing that without necessarily needing to know all the ins and outs of the exact pricing structures that they have is just to consider, right, are they high volume but low ticket um, kind of price yeah. point? Or yeah. are they low volume but a high ticket price point? Or are they a combination of both? Most businesses will fit into one camp or the other and straight yeah. away you you can consider your positioning from a, a pricing perspective if even if you just know that are they high volume um low ticket value or are they high ticket value um and um and low volume right yeah absolutely agree yeah yeah good 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 i'm going to skip over this question because i think we've already answered this one um and what i'll do is if i um if i just move on to um you know a, a, an offer for um everyone who has uh, joined us today and everybody listening um and that is we would like to give you um the chance to um use um try lead forensics for free so lead forensics if you haven't already kind of um you know identified in the course so far identifies your website visitors so we can tell you which businesses are visiting your website um we'd like to give you the opportunity to try that on your website um free no catch uh no commitment no credit card details all of that um for two weeks and then you can see exactly which businesses are visiting your website you can look at fueling your sales pipeline you can look at engaging with those prospects and see whether lead forensics will bring any value to your business so we're just going to pop up a quick poll um and if you would like to take um uh take your uh, your trial of the forensics um then just answer yes to the poll um and um, we'll get someone to get in touch with you to um just pop that code on your website um it's really quick we'll show you how it all works and and we'll kind of let let you loose for for two weeks um if you want to know some more information just click um i'm not sure can you send me some more info and then obviously um if uh, you've got enough opportunities or you're not interested at at this time then no problem just hit um no thank you um and um we we won't contact you about a, a future demonstration um so we'll just leave that for a couple more seconds just until we've got uh the the last few people um kind of uh, given us their their thoughts on that piece um we'll see how we go um and then um what I'd like to also do is um, see whether anyone um, will be interested in um, attending um, any of our future webinars. Um, today we are uh, talking about sales, so Accelerate Sales webinars. Um, we also have um, a marketing webinar series. Um, so um, feel free um, to um, just let us know if you'd like to join us at a, a future webinar. Well, some of those dates on there look a bit wrong. So yeah. what we'll do is, yeah, I know, December, November, no, 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 we're in January now. Otherwise, you're going to wait quite a long time uh, before our next webinar. So we will um, let you know. Um, if you say yes, we'll, we'll let you know about our, our forthcoming webinars, which are both in, um, both in February. Um, so what that leaves me to do is um, to uh, wrap up. Um, so Matt, do you have any closing thoughts, any key takeaways? So if our, if our kind of listeners today only take away one or two things, what would they be? So um, I actually, I, I wrote down the word is authenticity. Be authentic when you make calls. Like we're not robots, we're talking to human beings. Just make sure we come across authentic and just enjoy what you do, you know. Don't take every call to heart. Make sure you've got a plan every day. Manage your data well. And just as I say, authenticity is key. 
Super. I really liked your point about listening back to what you're saying, because we think we know how we've come across, but we don't know until we've listened back, right? I think that's really, really important. I think that, you know, if anyone is wanting to become a better salesperson, it's probably the best tool you can give yourself is actually to be um, analytical and to be open to critiquing yourself in terms of you know how well you've done and and to improve upon that next time right yeah absolutely that's a great one um and also if people i know we've got here our um little qrs if people do have any questions for me directly i'm more than happy to answer them on linkedin um however you want to get hold of me more than happy to help like i i love and i enjoy helping people so please feel free to reach out so um, if anyone does want to reach out to um, to Matt with any questions or to me, I'm not sure how helpful I would be, but Matt is the person who can be very helpful. Um, but you can um, just scan those um, QR codes um, and it will take you straight away to our LinkedIn profiles. Um, otherwise, obviously, we're fairly easy to find on, on LinkedIn. Probably myself, are, I'm probably easier to find than, than Matt, but, um, you know, obviously Matt is on, on LinkedIn um, as well. So, um, yeah, either scan the QR codes or, or just give us a quick um, search you'll find us i am connected with matt so if you find me and you can't find matt you can find matt through me um lastly i guess it's over to me to say um just a huge thank you um to you, matt for today i really love um talking with you and i think that you provide some some great insight to um people who are starting in sales or are maybe a bit more experienced in sales but wanting some tips so again just really appreciate your your time um, today. We've actually had some comments come in, um, kind of just saying that people have enjoyed the conversation um, and, and saying thank you. So, um, you know, thank you to those people who have left those comments as well. We really do appreciate it. Um, anything else to add at the end there, Matt? Um, if you want to invite me again, I'll be more than happy. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Be, be authentic and like, don't give up. Yeah, as you say, Lila, listen to calls is, is, is a really good shout. Um, but yeah, just enjoy what you do, like have enthusiasm, enjoy it, like enjoy your calls, enjoy them. Super, super. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, everyone. And um, I hope you um, have a lovely evening or day um, or afternoon. Um, and um, we'll see you again soon, hopefully. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone.